Welcome to this sermon from Silver Lake Baptist Church. Our mission is to celebrate the greatness of God with all we are for the joy, hope, and renewal of our community. We are so glad you have chosen to listen to our message. We pray you will be blessed by your time with us today. Good morning. morning. How you guys doing? It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. A wonderful day in the neighborhood. You guys enjoying the sunshine? I am. I am very much. So let's pray. Get right into the word. I got Father, thank you for for your love. Thank you for just being here with us. Thank you for your grace and for the freedom to worship and the and the opportunity and the privilege to worship. And so we just thank you for that. Holy Spirit, I just ask that you speak through me this this morning in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So um it's like I get into studying and I it's getting to the point so much of the time where it's not like, oh man, I wish I could find something to preach. It's like, how do I narrow it down to to get what you really want, Holy Spirit? And so, and I want to be I want to be fluid and pliable too, and follow the Holy Spirit. And um, but there's so much life in this book. Uh, like it's not hard to find God speaking to you. You know, God's not silent. Like, if you, if you can't hear him any other way, open the book, right? And he'll jump out, and he'll just be like, and you're like, oh, there you are. Yeah, you're still with me, and I can still hear you, and I can still see you. And it made me think, um, I was thinking of Nehemiah. You guys remember Nehemiah? And so here, all, all the Israelites get, get carried into slavery, and they're in slavery, and then Nehemiah's got this vision to go build God's temple again. And so... He, God put him in a position where he could he could request from the king something, and the king's like, okay, let's do it, right? That's pretty good favor, right? And so here here he goes, and he goes back, and they build the temple back, and like when they got there, there was like a parade, man. They just rolled out the red carpet, and they said, here, please do this. Not only that, we'll help you, and it was just easy. It's like a Disney movie where the princess is like skipping and everything's going around. And oh yeah, we're building this. This is easy, right? No, what they had, they literally had to work with one hand and have their M16s in the other, right? I guess they didn't have M16s, but if they would have, it'd have been like, yeah. Can you imagine trying to build hammer? You know, I mean, I should have took them like twice as long to build it, right? So much of the time we think God calls us to something and the rolled carpet's going to just flow out. We, we think that, that um, we're, we're, um, it's just going to be easy. And sometimes things aren't easy, but it doesn't mean they're not worth it. And sometimes when you get to the other end of it and you see... Oh, wow, look what God did. He was with me every step of the way and every challenge, every problem, everything that you face actually is a blessing and is part of your journey and it's something we get to embrace because as we embrace it, then we, one day we're going to look back and say, wow, God was with me. But if we're always waiting until we get to the end to be happy, get to the end to be satisfied, get to the end to be complete, man, you're going to go to heaven looking for something, right? You're going to go to heaven with something that's in your heart to do, right? Why? Because that's just our nature. Like, you should go to heaven like that, right? And so 
So if you're always trying to wait till you get there, it's going to be a long wait, and you're going to be miserable. Sometimes we got to learn to be happy where we are, even when we don't like the circumstance, even when we don't like what's going on. We got to learn to be happy, not just happy, but satisfied. Like, you know what? I'm satisfied. You know, I am enough. And if I'm enough and God is more than enough in me, right? And so here, Nehemiah is going through these problems and he's got this focus and I'm going to build it, I'm going to build it. And then they finally get it built. And in Nehemiah chapter 8, Ezra is going to read from the book of the law and he starts to read. And as he, read, as he starts reading, it says, um, I'm going to just jump to 6, 8, 6. And it says, Ezra praised the Lord that... Yahweh, Yahweh, right? Yudhevave, which is I am that I am, right? Ezra praised I am that I am the great Elohim. Now, what is Elohim? It's cre- the creator, right? The creator of the heavens and the earth and the, every blessing, Melakalam, the king of the universe. Not just the king of the universe, but the creator of the universe, right? So, He's like, Ezra prays that I, I am that I am the great creator. And all the people lifted their hands and responded, amen, amen. Then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Now, time out. Like, they ain't been to church in years. Like, they hadn't even had ending her Billy Graham. Right? They didn't have Christian TV. Like, they, there were no tent revivals. There was nothing. They, these were some of the remnant that was still in Israel. But a lot of Israel had gotten carried off into slavery. And now they're getting something restored to them that they had lost and that wasn't just important to them, but it was their very life. And so here they're saying, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord, their, Lord with their faces to the ground. And it says the Levites, and it names all of them, and then it says... Um, they instructed the people in the law. Now the law here is the Torah, right? Now, so Torah is like, um, like I have notes here because I like reading how they translate stuff. So the Greeks translated, no, the Greek words translated nomos law should have been translated dita kalia. And um, a lot of scholars believe that they deliberately used um, nomos instead of the other word. Because cause I'm not good at Greek, I ain't going to say it again. You got it once, right? Because there was Gnostics, and they were worried that the Gnostics would go too far. You know, it was too enlightening. They're like, well, why not be enlightened? Right? And so the law of the Torah really is teaching or instruction. Okay? So here, um, I had this cutting horse. It's like most of my stories, like, yeah, I had this horse. <laughs> Right? I had this cutting horse, and her name was Lena. And so I had this guy who had another younger horse and trained with me, and he had rode some of my other cutting horses that could really, they, they could cut pretty good, but they were not Lena. Lena would stop so hard and turn. They said sometimes it was like, she's supposed to be like this, but in the turn we were like this because she'd come around so hard. But she would keep her eye on that cow, and you'd be going around, and she'd have her, her, her head just watching the cow. And when that cow stopped and moved, you'd see her head disappear. And then the next thing you know, 
she is with it, right? But she's like a cobra. You know how the cobras are kind of like this, and they just like kind of mesmerize you to where you want to watch it? And I was like, it was hard not to watch her ears. But the problem was, is when you're watching her ears, you're not watching the cow. And when you're not watching the cow, if you watch her ears, the next thing you know, you're going to be flying over those ears, right? So the, what I learned very quickly was, I'm going to watch the cow. Like, I'm going to watch the cow, and I'm going to let her do her thing, and I'm going to feel and just move with her, and we're going to be one. And so we'd ride and stop, and man, she just would flow and move. And so, so my customer was watching me, and he's like, you know what? I'd like to ride that horse someday. And I was like, buddy, you ain't ready for this horse. <laughs> he's like, well, don't you think you taught me good enough? I was like, like, you're not ready for this horse. And he goes, oh, please, please. And I was like, okay, well, this might be fun. So I, I let him get up there, and he runs across, he stops, and then he comes back around. And the longer that she was on that cow, the more he started watching her head. Now, I'd given her instruction. I'd given him teaching, do not look at her ears. Look at the cow. But you know what he did? He looked at the ears. That cow stopped and went across the pen, and, and, or the cow stopped, went across the pen, and Lena went with him, and here he is just looking at her ears. I was like, this is going to be bad. <laughs> the cow stopped, Lena stopped and turned, and he kept going. <laughs> just whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. After I found out I didn't kill him, I was like, see, I told you. <laughs> Watch, watch the cows. I made him get back on, but, you know. But the point is, is like, was it the teaching to watch the cow? Not the ears that got him dumped? Or was it the fact that he didn't accept the teaching? You guys hear what I'm saying? There's nothing wrong with my teaching. It's good teaching. The best in the world. Right? Like one of the smartest dudes I ever know. Right? <laughs> Nothing wrong with the teaching. But there was very some, something very wrong. Like, I don't even think there's something wrong with his comprehension. He just let down his guard. And forgot. He got too comfortable. And what happened? <sighs> Over. I didn't kill him. <laughs> right? So, so when we think of the law... We're always thinking of, well, the law is bad, and the law is this, and the law is that. Because we're thinking, oh, it's the law. But the law is really the instruction and the teaching that leads us to, to God, right? There's uh, rabbis always talk, and they said they went to this one rabbi, and they said, tell us. He, he's like, I want you to tell me how I can follow God and, and understand the Torah, the meaning of the Torah, all while I can stand on one foot. And so this guy says, well, thou shalt not do this, thou shalt not do that. that there's 630 some commandments, right? The rabbi got through like 30 of them, and he's like, oh man. His foot comes down. So, so it goes to another rabbi, and he, he's, he's like, tell me the Torah and, and do it all while I can stand on one foot. And he goes, that's easy. He's like, okay. He says, love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's what Jesus taught, right? 
So he summed it up. What is the teaching? The teaching was never works-based, but always relationship-based. It always had to deal with what? With our relationship with God and our relationship with people. But if you make a cross like that, and it makes a cross, which I think is hilarious, right? Because the cross is the a, is a antidote for, for missing the mark, right? But right, if you make a cross... There's a center point. Guess where that center point is? You. That's you. That's you. How are you dealing with God? And how are you dealing with other people? That's it. And how are you dealing with yourself? Because if you ain't loving yourself, you ain't going to love other people either. Or you might love them like you love yourself, but you don't love yourself, so you're treating other people like you treat yourself. facts and it's as simple as standing on one foot to get the answer so here he's like they read from the book of the law of God making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people could understand what was being read they're like let's make it clear he's like we gotta get the hay down where the cows can eat it it don't do no good in the hay law right You'll starve your cows to death if all you do is leave it up there. Say, hey, here's the hay. The hay's up here. The hay's up here. But if they cannot get it and eat it and chew on it. You know, cows chew their cud and meditate on it. That's what the word of God's made for is for us to meditate and chew on it and think about it. Not just read through it, right? And so he's like, so that they can understand it. Then Nehemiah the the Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and the scribe, And the Levites, who were instructing the people, said to them all, This day is sacred to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. What they're saying? Where has this been our entire life? So what are they reading? They're reading the Torah. Well, what is the Torah? Right? They didn't have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John yet. Right? They're living out literally the Bible right here. They're reading the Torah. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And they're hearing these stories. They're hearing about about Abraham and how God blessed Abraham. They're hearing the story of of Adam. And then they're hearing the story of how they come come out of Egypt and how they come out of slavery and how God blessed them and how God had a call on their life and how they were chosen people. Because to this point, they didn't feel like they were chosen. They had been rejected and they had been tossed around and they had been slaves in the very land that God gave them to be prospering in. So here they are, they're weeping and they're, and they're crying and, and he's like, stop, don't mourn, this isn't a bad thing, man. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is sacred to our Lord. Now that Lord, there's Adonai, right? Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord of Yahweh, I am that I am, is your strength. Know what he's telling them? Don't weep. 
Yeah, it's been bad. Yeah, it's been hard. Yeah, you've messed up and your forefathers has messed up and it's been really bad. But I want you to just return to me. And when you return to me, guess what? My joy, the joy of the Lord is your strength. What is the Lord? I am that I am. Not the joy of, oh, I'm going to put my hope in the fact that Jesus is coming back. And when he comes back, I got to argue, though, is it pre, mid, post, or is it just pan? Is it just going to all pan out? I don't know, but I'm going to put my hope on the rapture. Or I'm going to put my hope when I die and I go to heaven. Then I'm going to find peace. Then I'm going to find... No. It's not something that happens. If this just wouldn't have happened, then I'd have peace. Then I could have hope. Not putting your hope in the past. Not putting your hope in the future. If I could just get this house or could just get this car or, or if so-and-so would just love me or if this could just happen. Then I'll have joy. No. The joy of the I am that I am is your strength. What is he saying? It's that presence, that ever-present help in time of trouble. The Christ in us, the hope of glory, staying where we're at, being intentional, where we're at, living life and enjoying life, where are we at? Saying, you know what? The joy of the Lord is my strength. The kingdom of God is love, joy, like love, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, right? Something like that. <laughs> close. Check me. It's a little off, but close, right? Get the gist. Joy. It's his joy. Joy is different than happiness. Joy comes from the inside. Happiness is happenstance. Are you happy in your circumstance? You know you can have joy and happiness. When you have joy, you're, you can't help but be happy. And so I want to I have joy. And I want to rest because the joy of the Lord is my strength. And so the Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be still, for this day is sacred. Do not grieve. Then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food, and to celebrate with great joy, because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. <clears throat> See, they just didn't. They just didn't hear it. They heard it. It wasn't just something that that kind of went out there, but it was something that went in here. And so now they went out, oh, I get it. It's the joy. It's not about the past, and it's not about where I'm going in the, in the future, but right now I can have joy. And God's like, go, go party, man. Go to Outback. Go, go to Ruth's. Go to all these steakhouses. If you don't like ste- steaks, I don't know. Go to the, what do you call it, the vegetable aisle at Safeway. But party up, man. Live however you want to live. I'm not judging here. Or go get tow food, right? I get I cut tow food off every week, and it's from horses. So I was just like, 
don't know what kind of tofu you're eating, but I wouldn't eat that, right? So, but party up, live, live your life, right? And so on the second day of the month, the heads of the family along with the priests and Levites gathered around Ezra, the scribe, to give attention to the words of the law. And they found written in the law, which the Lord had commanded through Moses, that the Israelites were to live in booths during the feast of the seventh month. So what's going on here? Like, what is the Feast of the Seventh Month? Anybody know what that's called? It's called Sukkot. It's not, you got Sukkot? I got mine. No, that's not. It's summer anyway. We don't got our coats, right? But Sukkot, right? Sukkot is the Feast of Tabernacles. And it comes after Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and then they go in, you go into, into Sukkot. So now the Jewish people were commanded by God to build these booths and these, these tents and to camp. They literally camp outside for like eight, nine days, something like that. Right? So they're out there camping and it's to remind them that they were slaves and that God brought them out of slaves. And that, and, but really to remind them of their time in the wilderness. Right? But really what it's meant to represent is that Jesus is a true tabernacle. And we're tabernacling with Jesus. That's what it means to me, right? A lot of people believe that Jesus actually wasn't born at Christmas time. Shh, don't tell nobody. Right? We got his birthday wrong. Maybe we got it right. I don't know. I ain't saying. Right? But they believe that it happened but because of the Feast of Tabernacles, because of the scripture that he will tabernacle with us, right? We are the temple of what? The Holy Spirit, right? But Christ in heaven, the hope of glory, no, the Christ where? Christ in us, the hope of glory. So it's representing him tabernacling with us. And here is where I see a change starting to, to happen because they go, they go out to the hill country and bring back branches and olive and, and olive and wild olive and myrtles and palms and shade trees to make booths as it is written. So the people went out and brought back branches and built themselves booths on their, roof, on their own roofs in their courtyards in the courts of the house of God and in the square by the water gate and the one by the gate of Ephraim. The whole company had returned from exile, built booths, and lived in them from the days that are re, returned and lived in them. From the days, listen to this, from the days of Joshua, son of Nun, until that day, the Israelites had not celebrated it like this. Wow. You know what it's saying? Since they went into the promised land, they got into the promised land and they quit celebrating. They forgot who they were. And now, after years of being captive and being slaves, now they're finally getting to celebrate it. And their joy was very great. And then it said, day after day, from the first day to the last, Ezra read from the book of the law of God, they celebrated the feast for seven days, and on the eighth day, in accordance with regulation, there was an assembly. And I love this, because when we think of the assembly, I love, when I see eight, I always think of 
think of um, a new season. Going from death to life. Going into something different. Cutting off the, the um, foreskin. Circumcision. Cutting the flesh off and living by the Spirit. And when you can start seeing, not, not just from the flesh, not just human reactions, not just what do I see, hear, taste, touch, or smell, feel, whatever. I probably added one or lost one, right? When you start adding those things in, start living by those things, it, it limits you to these things. I was like, I don't want you limited by the things that you see, hear, taste, touch, smell, feel. I want you walking by my spirit. On the eighth day is when they would take the babies and they would circumcise them. Right? And so, as God commanded. So I see this. It's coming on the eighth day and now they're starting to get to a place where they're not, not no longer thinking in the, in the flesh, but now they're starting to think in the spirit and they're starting to remember who they are. And so here is Ezra and he says, and it says this, on the 24th day of the same month, Israelites gathered Israelites gather together, fasting and wearing sackcloth and having dust on their heads. Those of, the, of Israelite descent had separated themselves from all the foreigners. See, now it's getting, it's getting serious because they're like, you know what? We're going to separate from everything that's foreign to, to God. Everything that doesn't line up and that's not who we are. We're going we're gonna to separate ourselves from that. We're cutting off the flesh. We are, are yours and yours alone. That's what they're saying. They're consecrating themselves. And I love this because it says that um, the same ones Israelites gather together, fasting and wearing sackcloth and having dust on their heads. Those of the Israelites' descendants separate all the foreigners. They stood in the place and confessed their sins and the wickedness of their fathers. They stood where they were and read from the book of the law of the Lord, their God, for a quarter of a day. Now he's, it's not just reading from the book of the law of God. Now it's reading from the book of the law of God, their God, the, the law of the Lord, their God, for a quarter of a day, and spend another quarter in confession. And in worshiping the Lord, their God, standing on stairs, it was so-and-so-and-so-and-so-and-so, and they said, stand up. Praise the Lord your God who is everlasting to everlasting. Now, this is a revival happening. This isn't just a revival. It's a renewal that's happening in their life. For a quarter of the day, they were reading scripture. We can barely do five minutes. Pretty crazy. And then they spend another quarter of the day saying, Woo, I blew it there. Woo, I blew it there. Woo, I blew it there. Boy, my daddy. You think I was bad? You see my daddy and my grandpa. Woo. You know what? Their eyes were open and they realized, you know what? We, we can't walk by this flesh thing. We got to live out of our spirit. And so they get through all that. He's like, stand up and start praising now. Why? Because you're free. Slaves can't stand up. I mean, they can. 
But they get told what to do, when to do it, how to do it. Free man. <coughs> Blessed be your glorious name and may it be exalted above all. Blessing and praise. You alone, Lord, you made the heavens and even the highest heavens in all their starry host, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. You give, ev- you give life to everything and the multitudes of heaven worship you. I see here they're reading from the word of God, learning his, t- his teachings, but now their focus is on him. Did you hear that? It said you made the heavens. Then it says in seven, you are the I am that I am, the creator who chose Abram and brought him out of Earl of the Chaldeans and named him Abraham. Do you know what they're saying? It's you. We finally see you. We've seen dictators and we've seen mean kings and we've been carried off and we've been treated badly and we've been put in slavery. But now we see you. Not only do they see him, but they see who they are. You found his heart faithful to you. And you made a covenant with him to give his descendants the land of the Canaanites and Hittites and all the otherites. You have kept your promise because you are righteous. You saw the suffering of our forefathers in Egypt. You heard their cry at the Red Sea. You sent miraculous sign and wonders against Pharaoh, against all his officials and all the people of his land. For you knew how arrogantly the Egyptians treated them. See, they were reading. Because they're downloading the whole thing right here. You made a name for yourself which remains to this day. You divided the sea before them so that they passed through it on dry ground, but you hurled their pursuers into the depths like a stone into the mighty waters. By day you led them with a pillar of cloud and by night with a pillar of fire to give them light on the way they were to take. What's what's going on? These are slaves again. And he's like, you might be slaves on the outside, but you ain't slaves on the inside. You are still my chosen people. I have called you and I have appointed you and I am not done with you. I have a plan for your life. You just didn't know me and when you don't know me, you don't know who you are. And now they're finding out, well, if God did that for them, what can he do for me? Somebody's going to get blessed. Why not me? Somebody's going to be free. Why not me? You came down on Mount Sinai. You spoke to them from heaven. You gave them regulations and laws that are just and right and decrees and commands that are good. You made known to them your holy Sabbath and gave them commands, decrees, and laws through your servant Moses. In their hunger, you gave them bread from heaven. And in their thirst, you brought them water from the rock. You told them to go in and take possession of the land that you had Sworn with uplifted hand to give them, give them, but sometimes the buts are good. 
this one not so much. I just to say I I like I like big butts. I cannot lie, but it's the ones in the Bible. I'm looking for God's butt, right? Not literally, but B U T like but God. But I don't want but they. But they, our forefathers, became arrogant and stiff-necked and did not obey your commands. They refused to listen and failed to remember the miracles you performed among them. They become stiff-necked and in their rebellion appointed a leader. You know his name? Saul. In order to return to their slavery. You know what? They chose after their flesh. They chose their leader after their flesh. And you know what happened? Brought them back into slavery. They didn't listen to God. So I'm, I'm more than enough. I'll be, I'll be yours. No, we need a man. It's like the man at the pool of Bethsaida. Why are you here? I have no man. We're always looking for a man. I mean, not literally, but you know what I mean. Always need a person, human being, to help us. Isn't God enough? Is he? Is he or isn't he? Like he can create the universe and the stars and the sun and the moon and everything around us, but is he enough for us in our, in our lives, in our extraordinary everyday lives. They didn't listen. It's like the guy didn't listen to my teachings and ended up doing somersaults over the head of that horse. It wasn't the law or the teachings that did it to him. They didn't, they didn't listen. They didn't hear. They didn't get it put in their heart. And they failed to remember. Remember what? Remember who they are. Who are you? Well, I'm a son of God. I'm created in his image. I'm joint heirs with Jesus. I don't know what you're looking at. But you are a forgiving God, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. Therefore, you did not desert them. I'm going to skip over because there's so much here and I want to get to one more spot before I go. And they go through all these blessings and all these remembrances and they end, Nehemiah 10, 9 ends, almost ends, in in, um, 36 it says this, but see, we are slaves today, slaves in the land you gave our forefathers so that they could eat its fruit and the other thing and the other good things it produces. What? What they're sitting in the land that God promised them and they're slaves in that very land. They're watching everybody else eat all the good and now they're slaves. It hit them. Now this isn't who we are. This is our land. This is our place. That's 
our stuff. And they understood. It's like, because of our sins, it's abundance harvest goes to kings you have placed over us. They rule over our bodies and our cattle as they please. We are in great distress. What a sad way to end that chapter. How many of us are living in slavery in the promised land by trying to live by the law to justify ourselves? Trying to be good enough. Trying to do good enough. Trying to give enough. I tell you, you are enough. I am enough. The cross made all the difference. Like, well, how do you know, Pastor James? Glad you asked. We're back in Romans. Man, that clock does not like me. Romans chapter 7, 7. What, what shall we say then is a lost sin? Certainly not. In, indeed, I would not have known that, 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 I would not have known that, 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 known what sin was except through the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, do not covet. But sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, Produced in me every kind of covetous desire. For apart from the law, sin is dead. Once I was alive apart from, the, from law, but when the commandment came, sin sprang to life and I died. I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. For sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, deceived me, and through the commandment put me to death. So then, the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, righteous, and good. Did that which is good then become death to me? By no means, but in order that sin might be recognized as sin, it produced death in me through what was good, so that through the commandment sin might become utterly utterly sinful. It's a magnifying glass. It's a scope that targets in. Like a sniper, man. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual. Sold as a slave to sin. What are you talking about? Living in the flesh. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I... But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. It's like who's on first base, third to me, like Paul going off here. As As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me who that does it. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. You know what he's saying? When I try to keep the law, When I try not to do this, when I try not to do that, 
It's right there with me, and the more I don't want to do it, the more I do it, and it's a hamster wheel turning and turning and turning. This is Paul, the Jew of Jews. Like, I can't keep it. That's what he's saying. They couldn't keep it. We're all doomed. No. Thank God he don't quit there, right? Now, if I do what I don't want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this work, this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? And you got it, I got a clue. This works. You need to do better. Just buck up, buddy. What's the matter with you? Don't you? You need to read the Bible more. You need to pray more. Maybe you need to fast a little. You need to get it together. Don't you know you got to write a lot of this book? No, it says, Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. Ever feel like you're a slave in the promise? You're not. Because here's the antidote. You've just been snake bit. Here's the cure. Therefore, now why do we what is it there for? Therefore, there is when you do everything right, it'll work out. When you pray enough, when you read the Bible enough, when in the future, when Jesus comes back. Therefore, there is now. When's now? Now? When's that now? When I said now a minute ago, it's not now no more. But now is now. Now, that's how. Now, there's no condemnation. Now, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free. No longer a slave. Free. Free from the law of sin and death. Free. To live, free to love, free to have joy, free to live in his promises and in the promised land. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about us, check out our website at www.silverlakebaptist.org.